Welcome to the first episode of the Ryder Brothers podcast, where we discuss general interest entertainment concerning the latest and greatest in movies, games, shows, and maybe someday even books. Today, I am joined by my co-host slash producer. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the world and explain why you're here. there i am here welcome welcome by the way we're coming in super echoed on your end uh that's probably because you have the uh stream audio on your side uh, if you didn't mute the stream through uh but anyway we are here to discuss a little bit of the book of boba fett and possibly the future of star wars after that, we're going to discuss the exciting conclusion of Peacemaker. Um, the first section of that will be the first seven episodes, uh, and then an overview of the last episode, spoiler-free, and then we will spend about 10 minutes discussing spoilers in the future, and so we'll be sure to give you fair warning for that. But first, let's go ahead and dive right into the book of Boba Fett. John, why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts on Book of Boba Fett? Uh, this is a hard one for me. I uh, I was trying to figure that out today as to like what makes Boba Fett good. Uh, mostly just because like the story, while I do love the uh, the writer's intent of showing the Ronin go Shogun, I uh, I really did not understand why i cared to watch it at all uh until i really thought about it what i came to understand is that uh if we all remember star wars coming up boba fett was the first anakin in the story that like we knew his whole story before we knew the whole anakin story because we watched boba fett watch his dad die and then suddenly he's you know becomes this legendary bounty hunter and so I thought that was, it's just more like he was a kid when we were kids. So his story was supposed to matter. But uh, overall, I think visually it was gorgeous. What about you? What was your take on Boba Fett? So, so yeah, um, I definitely thought that it was not worth the time when all was said and done. I, I felt... Uh, as empty as I did after Rise of Skywalker, I thought that the while, while I am a sucker for fan service, and I certainly don't have a problem with a lot of fan service elements, um, it seems they just use this as a show to just put out the most fan service they could, and didn't focus on what the story or the intent of this of this show was. Uh, it really just ends where it begins, pretty much as pointless as as it started. And so for me, there are a lot of good things about the show. I, I agree. I like a lot of the visuals. I like the use of puppets and the use of, of practical effects. Working with the special effects was a huge strong point. There's just a lot of, of what the show didn't seem to make sense. Like it felt like it couldn't figure out what it wanted to be. I... I really understand that. I, and I actually had another question for you based on the, uh, you said you feel empty after watching it like you did after the uh, third 
or the I guess the, the sequel. Yeah, prequel, the third sequel trilogy. Or sequel trilogy. There we go. Uh what what would you say is the missing piece? Like what about it do you feel like it was really missing in terms of like what would give you that hearty feeling like you enjoyed it afterwards? What so literally we start the show with this with this image that I've got on display here. Um, well, it doesn't even start there. It starts at the end of Mandalorian season two when he whacks Bib Fortuna and takes Jabba's old throne. And from there, we're left with, okay, now we're gonna see we're we're finally gonna see this bounty hunter mysterious character that we've been wanting for a long time, and he's going to finally maybe be the 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 badass that everyone thought that he was or that he was supposed to be and instead we he doesn't even seem to know what his motives are half the time um and so i don't know i don't know what i'm supposed to make of this story when by the end of it he and uh, and Fennec have that conversation about, well, what are we going to do now? And it's, uh, okay, what are we going to do now? Well, what was the point of me watching this entire episode to begin with? Um, we have a comment in the chat from Relentlessly Relentless. Said, oh, hello, Relentlessly Relentless. Welcome to the show. Currently talking Boba Fett. And I also meant to, there we go, make this look like a somewhat professional broadcast. I just felt the show overall didn't really know what it was trying to do. And apparently this, when the Mandalorian shows up for season for episode zero of season three, we kind of are given a, a whole tone shift and Boba isn't even in a whole episode of his own show. At first that didn't bother me as much because let's face it, when Boba Fett showed up in Mando season two, he pretty much stole the show. And so for Mando, I mean, when Baby course, Yoda showed up, he stole the entire him. series. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much until Luke come, came in at the last episode. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was basically turning into the Boba Fett show. But go ahead. Oh no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I uh, my thing is, is I, I feel like there was definitely a story that was being told, but it was entirely drowned out in the conversations that we were witnessing. Like, I, I the way I was watching it was more for the visuals after I realized I just don't have a lot of emotional connection to Boba Fett other than, like, because he's, originally he was, like, a cool-looking, like, supervillain potential, and then he just disappeared, and then we get his, like, childhood story in Django, that whole battle with Obi-Wan is epic. But then, like, after that, we just kind of see nothing from him, because he got eaten. And then we watch his show and it's like you're gonna also give us more nothing like it it, it was a it's the amount of effort that they put in the show was the amount of effort that they put into introducing him to us as a kid <laughs> oh boba go part of the ship like that was the main thing that's how we knew it was boba yeah that's, like, oh, that's his a name's good... jango fett and we're like okay where's boba oh he's jango fett too just yeah that, that, that's that's a good point i mean the, the character's motives just didn't seem to be clear and it was like Disney was trying to play up this this anti-hero, which which you could see here on the screen. Yeah, I think when you put it like that, when you put it like that, he's uh, the anti-hero for Disney. He comes off 
as the nicest gangster in all of history. Like, he's supposedly supposed to be a mafioso, but more borderline a landowner from feudal Japan era. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right, and, and he doesn't have any consistency either. And his entire... He doesn't even have any control of anything. And like, why you know, did he become a nice guy? Right. So so they tried to play him up as this anti-hero, but then they 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 make him so inconsistent because he doesn't know what he wants to do. He, he recruits the Power Ranger Vespa squad and and they are, you know, there, I guess. But we don't see the crime lord stuff, and he's trying to be a crime lord without having any crime. Um yeah. but yeah. moving moving on a little bit. Uh, for the for the show ender, I thought that this scene, while cool, um, was also stupid. <laughs> I mean, he goes back to his palace, and instead of picking his giant fire spray gunship to deal with the giant droids that are attacking, he goes with a flesh organic and vulnerable giant scary rancor. Now, this would make sense to parade through if he was doing it as a show of force, and there wasn't a big um, well, there wasn't really a big battle. I wouldn't even call it a war. It was just kind of a small incident by Star Wars standards. But that was not the time to go for the Rancor. That was the time to go for the ship. Or if you're going to go for the ship, remote pilot the the fire spray and have Mando go take control of it. And he can just go rain hell on the rest of Mos Espa. But instead, we were left with giant monsters fighting robots and... it. It just felt like Robert Rodriguez took a chapter out of the Michael Bay version of storytelling that he goes, okay, first we're going to have an explosion and then we're going to have a moment on the Sarlacc pit where he escapes. And then there's going to be this robot and it's going to be all cool and stuff. And it's like, Michael, Michael, those are special effects. Where's the story? And that's really what it feels like with, with their book of Boba Fett was all over the place because it was, it, it, there was just no consistency. And what was even the point? We got to see Luke. We got to have some fan service, and then we're just left with. So that happened, and for what? I yeah. I I mean, I don't even feel like it was fan service. I feel like it was closer to a fan disservice because, like, you're taking what fans love, chopping your favorite parts, and gutting everything else. Like, I I, I feel like the way they're collecting like aggregate data for what's good and what's bad about any, you know, general show or like any remake that they're doing or reinvent reinventing that they're trying to do, like reinvigorate the group. Like if as a parent and, and raising some, a child, like how are you going to want to show your kids this? You, they'll be like, we should watch book of Boba Fett. And you're going to be like, uh, no, no. That, we can skip that whole series. And he'll be like, dad, I watched it on my own time. You were right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's not as good. It, it had a lot of classic star Wars elements. Uh, like visually, and I mean, this, this scene, watching them side by side was cool and all. And I was, I was enjoying the moment, but Again, it's all like was that all this show was to do was to get us hyped up for cool moments? Not I to mean, mention if you look at it, I feel like you're snapping the coolest parts of the show and they're just frames. 
Exactly. There's no words, no context, no dot, nothing. We don't know why this is going on or how it's going on. We are definitely jazzed that it's going on, but like, that's it. I could watch it on mute and probably enjoy it more. See, and, and that's what trying and that's what to figure out and, what's being said. And that's what shows and, and filmmakers seem to be doing is it. They're just giving us like a bunch of store of of convenient stories to force an outcome. And the outcome is here's all this fan service, and it's like okay, fan service is cool and all, but what's the point? Whereas, take something like Spider-Man No Way Home, which I will probably praise until the day I die, as being one of the greatest movies ever, because in the nostalgia era, when we're overburdened with nostalgia and remakes and rehashes and just constant member berries, they baited us in with nostalgia and gave us a good movie. And and I mean I will probably do a whole show on No Way Home eventually, but for now we got to stay somewhat current, which is why we're wrapping up with Star Wars. So uh, got the last seven minutes of this segment here. What do you think the future of Star Wars holds? Well, I think one of the beautiful things about Star Wars, and one of the things that I don't think a lot of people seem to catch on to, uh, but it's the universes that are being created. Like while some writers and some directors and some filmmakers may not write to our dreamed standard which let's be honest the person that created it didn't even know what to do with it so like he gave us what we wanted and we didn't know we wanted it but now we know what we want kind of and we're not very good at telling people what we want so at the same like i feel like it's a little bit of the fans not telling the right people what they want and then the right people not looking for the right fans to listen to and so i think that's one of the big things that that we're trying to do here is be fans to the writers like so the actual writer the writers of the shows that we love can like listen to somebody who actually cares about the content and so like for the universe i feel like this was more of just another anthology series that does Tatooine more justice. It brings it more liveliness. While I don't really care about any of the individual characters, I do care about the whole city, which is odd. I don't know why I care about a city that doesn't exist unless they put it on the screen. And I think that's something that, though Boba Fett may or may not have intended to do, I think that's something that they hit correctly. And I do want to see more, and I will see more. I love Star Wars. I'm a sucker for it. So, like... They're not going to lose the views, but they're definitely going to keep getting the rhetoric. And I'm here well, to Well, and, and this show will absolutely be reviewing Obi-Wan when it comes out. And yeah, I, I do want to take a second to at least highlight the, the, some of the positive stuff. I mean, the production quality on these shows is impressive. Bar none. It's explosive. This is movie it's quality. So we have so we, beautiful. Yes, and I I like the retweaks. I like the retooling on Boba Fett's armor. The black costume way design. Better than the what costume design in these shows are just the, uh, it makes me want to freaking live in this world man it's crazy yeah as a show i would say that book of boba fett by itself from an objective standpoint is about c minus passable but it it does actually no i'd say it fails and it's a d because it relies heavily on context and i think without the context someone's gonna watch the show and and go okay this is happening i guess and again, by the end of it, if you don't have all the fan service context, you're not going to enjoy it. Again, you'll enjoy the art and the production value. It's definitely there. But the story is all over the place, as I said. It, it makes no sense. 
they hype up this big war with the syndicate and it doesn't happen. It's very small and abysmal by comparison. So I do think that that they need to get away from the Skywalker uh, nonsense. It's a big galaxy and there's all kinds of stories of other people that we could focus on, other aliens, other other stories. Just just give us just give us a show that's by itself. And I mean that's what Mandalorian seemed like it started with, except until you get to the end of episode one, and then it's okay, we're back with the Jedi and the Sith again, which okay, that that is what it is. I um, really I really think it the big thing that it it could do and and pretty much any writer working on a Star Wars of any kind, whether it's fan fiction or you know just a random blog or if it's actually you know writing star wars content for disney like take the time to rewatch the movies on your own time in your own vision in your own context don't watch it with any friends don't watch it with any family don't even talk about watching it until you're done watching it i recently did that and i man i loved the sequel trilogy because they finally showed the force as every other movie wished it could have because of what the technology that we have to do. And I mean, look at Mandalorian and Boba Fett here. The two of them look awesome. Like no superhero suit is that dope. Iron Man has nothing on that helmet and it's iconic. Careful what neighborhood you say that in, you get lynched. Strap it, like strip it down to the main roots and then write your story around those roots the 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 first or first principles of star wars which is there's the force and yes people say there's a light side and a dark side but they rarely tell you what the gray side is and that's where your creativity can explode that's where your imagination can come in and you can still respect the universe but you can write a unique story nobody's ever imagined could fit in star wars because yeah like you just said there are so many unexplored unnamed worlds we know about the outer rim and the central core and according to the trilogy sequel sequel trilogy the central core is gone so we have no central core we just have outer rim mid rim and whatever was near the central core that doesn't count as central core so those are all planets that writers can write about and just make explode and we can explain so many different things so though i think boba fett was poorly executed i think it definitely did us a service in giving us another benchmark to just aim higher than boba fett and mandalorian kills it like those two episodes from the that the mandalorian comes in it made me love it even more just because like i wanted to check in on mando (laughs) So yeah, so all, all right. Good. So we'll we'll see what season three of Mando starts. If if it doesn't start with with him bringing the kid back to Luke, I don't, I don't think it's going to work for me. Um, but with that, it is time for us to move on to our next segment. Uh, for those of you who have heard about it, you might have been you might have caught the latest craze from. HBO Max, and that is their newest show, which concluded today, uh, Peacemaker. So, John, why don't you go ahead and share your thoughts first? What did you think of Peacemaker episodes one through seven? Um, those will be spoiled, but we will have oh. a non-spoiler overview of the finale. 
and then we will have about 10 minutes we'll spend on on the finale itself i really don't go ahead episodes one through seven i don't think i'm going to do much spoiling uh in my initial remarks especially for one through seven because i mean you go from boba fett to this this is the most well-crafted writing i've been watching all year and like i watch everything <laughs> almost everything i watch everything Good. except for what that, i don't like that, that'll make you successful at doing this show but <laughs> oh yeah right well so for peacemaker one of my favorite things is from the first episode we just start right where peacemaker left off getting shot after killing somebody having to deal with emotional loss and then we go into the intro sequence that we see here on the picture and oh my gosh i listened to it three times today because i had to go back an episode to share with my spouse (laughs) what she had missed from the last episode but i intentionally skipped ahead to the intro finished the intro skipped to the part that she missed cut back to the episode today watch the intro again (laughs) because this intro song i've never heard it before Uh, i know it's popular 80s rock and roll but can you you pause that thought real quick we do have do have comments in the chat oh comments comments Uh, comments. we do have from ian so forth keep it up papa delta yankee you've got the wit and the observation well thank you so much ian so forth i appreciate that um hopefully our takes are up to everyone's standards. Uh, not sure what this other comment is trying to say here. If anything, I don't know if it's a bot. Hopefully it's not a bot. Unless the bot wants to hear our overview of Peacemaker, in which case all bots are welcome. Beep, Just don't beep, spam beep, boop. We, uh, yeah, man, the intro song, it's not, it's mostly just because like everybody knew John Cena was going to be this like brick because all we've ever seen him in is, you know, World not World War. WWE wrestling. Even like the movies that he does, he's not John Cena. Like he, like if you watch Fast 9, he he does a very excellent job at portraying whatever he portrays. It it wasn't John Cena that played that character. I don't I don't know how John Cena did that, but in this one it felt like John Cena and Peacemaker are the same but different people like this one really felt like what if John Cena never got his WWE debut and became a superhero because he looks like exactly what everybody thought Captain America would look like. He acts exactly like what we would think Captain America would look like with his donations, his working for just people in general. Sure. He may have a little bit skewed relationships with different places, but at the same time, He's always been a good-hearted, kind person. Even in the wrestling ring, he still tried to be clean, caring, and he respects his fans to death. And in this one, like I didn't see John Cena in one single scene. All I saw was Peacemaker. And I John Christopher, John Smith, whatever his name was as a, his secret identity, like Peacemaker is his identity. From the moment he goes, it's a uniform versus it's my costume. That, oh man, this show just blows my mind. I love it. So the the intro was very strong. And I, at first, I watched it the first time and I wasn't sure what I was watching. And so when it finally, 
when it when it ended, I was like, okay, I, I like where this is going. I, I like where where this show could possibly go. And after watching all the follow-on episodes, I yeah, it's over the top. It's it's vulgar. It's ridiculous. But man, what a ride! I mean, all the way through. Uh, by the time I got to the third episode, I was like hitting the volume button when the. I was to watch another episode and it's got great characters everybody plays off each other very well it's very well acted and uh, I enjoyed it it. I'm looking forward to season two and uh, as far as episodes one through seven go I, I think what James Gunn did poignant overall um in that with the writing he didn't he he seemed to use a lot of mainstream talking points but not to really get things of both sides and i think that was very well done overall because here we have a show about a team i mean you, you look at the cast it's diverse which there's absolutely nothing wrong good characters and good story you can have all the diversity you want and that's what this show did was they just cast a bunch of great actors that i thought every single person who every single person and i liked i liked it i loved it it's it's ridiculous it's stupid in a lot of ways but it's also very intelligent and it seems like james gunn was fan uh, myself however I will say that he we are out that you've got I, to separate it, it hold on I, I don't want to interrupt you we are experiencing first day blues you're coming in <laughs> In out pretty regularly, and I don't know why, but it seems like you're. I don't is... either. Uh, I checked the volume. Let me, let me put the auto volume back on. Or, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. It just like puts you in an ice cream can for some reason. Okay, how's that? It seems consistent. I just say watch okay. your uh, overall. Oh, you know what? This is how they're gonna. You know, there's only so <laughs> yeah, much. First day. First day. Yeah. I don't. I'm not ashamed. I don't want to bring shame on you. I, I'm just telling you so that our fans don't uh, feel like we're not. Yeah. Caring no. About please, it. please bear with us. Episode. Yeah. We're not Episode exactly. One of uh, one is. Uh, well, it's a start. It's a start. Hey, at least we're doing it. We got. We put our pants on today, so that's. Uh, right. Just keep monitoring the volume and let me know uh, how it sounds. Um, so what I'm what I'm saying is the show is diverse, but that's not the point of the show. Unlike what it seems like a lot of modern television seems to be doing is diversity. And then we go characters. And it seems that when, when you put when you put the objective at the top, it, it, that's not how good writing goes. So when I wrote my book, I started with characters. The rest of it just kind of flowed from that. 
And that's what you want to do as a writer. And that's what I think James Gunn did was, was, yeah, he was like, you know, let's, let's do the diversity thing, but I, I want to write a story. That's a good story. And I want characters that people like, and I actually like all the characters. Like I really feel that the show does a good job of making you the audience a, a part of it because yes, there's people who don't like John Cena. And again, it's okay if you don't like John Cena, it's just a good friend of you separate the douchebag from the character okay from the yeah from the I, I, I don't think john cena is a douchebag i think and that's fine you don't and, have and, to and no and i think this is something that's actually very important to point out just in terms of his character as a person he's not a douchebag by any means like a lot of people call him a bully like and i think that's something that this show really points out is like peacemaker was mostly a bully because nobody taught him anything different and whether it was his dad, whether it was his job, whether it was his belief on life, all, he, like the whole show just shows this kid who grew up in a backwards town with backwards beliefs existing today. And he was raised to be a killer. So obviously he's going to be a good killer, right? Especially when he has zero moral compass. Like a lot of us think that everybody grows up with moral guidance, but like 90% of us don't. 90% of the world has no idea what good morals look like. And the only reason we know what good morals look like is because we don't often see bad morals win. And that's why I give credit to John Cena because he has always been good morals. While he doesn't necessarily align with everybody's ideology, you can bet your ass he's nice to every one of his fans. And he's nice to everybody he meets for no reason. He's rich. He could be the douchebag you think he is, but instead he's like, no, I love you. I, I'm here for you. I will support you. He does make a wish more than anybody I know of. And yeah. I think that's important to know is that, yes, he may dis deviate from your ideology. He's still trying to be nice. And whereas Peacemaker, the character that he portrays, deviates dramatically from the majority of our ideologies, he was raised in a world that deviates even more from his own character's ideology. And that's something that we have to like give credence to is this show is about a really strong person being a hundred percent mentally and emotionally weak. And it's about him figuring out how to do that. And the only way he can do that is through talking out what he thinks right is. If you, ignore people's chance to be wrong about what they think is right man dude you're gonna have a lot of ignorant people on both sides because nobody's gonna know anybody that says the wrong thing because nobody well, wants to and the thing is for me for me personally with john cena it's not so much that i you know hate the guy or and i don't hate anybody um i just don't have respect for him and i don't have respect for him because of his uh, you know Maybe it's not so much the fact that he made that apology to China, but it's the way he did it was pathetic. If he had just said, hey, I'm sorry, I, I you know, I'll try to be, you know, I didn't again, mean to Again, I'm going to throw this one back at you. I The reason I disagree is because he wasn't apologizing to America. He did it all in Chinese because he was respecting the fans that he has in China, whether or not we like the way that he got his fans, whether or not we appreciate the fact that he has fans in China, he, the man, appreciates his fans. And he is not a politician. 
he is not a governor of any state. He has no relationship with the American regime. So therefore, no, he but he's can got apologize a to his, his own self-respect that he needs to work on. And he and apologized really down to, to his and, and... Chinese fans because of their Chinese beliefs. In Chinese. He didn't do it in English. He didn't apologize to the Americans because of his words. He didn't apologize to America because of his words. He apologized to his Chinese fans for their Chinese beliefs because he's a respectful person. Again, that's why I think he really Again, is uh, a good I, guy. Well, you he, gotta you'll be careful about conflating, you know, respect with trying to keep your revenue going. He's you know? respectful. No, that's that's well, what I mean. Because if he really cared only about his revenue, he would have publicly gone out in English and said, "Hey, Americans, we all need to apologize to China." Well, but and he didn't. Let's be he rad, said let's, to let's, my let's Chinese be, fans, "I'm sorry." Let's be rational about this, though. He is. Uh, we don't know him personally. Neither you nor I have had the chance to sit down and have a beer. And I'm not opposed to having a beer and having my mind changed about someone. You know, a lot of our opinion only comes from what they put on camera. And again, that's why it's important to separate the person, John Cena, from the character Peacemaker. Because they're they're two separate people. They And that's what a lot of people have started to realize thankfully but not not too soon and actually this this segues into a s separate sort of discussion here um people need to separate the character from the person with everything going back to star wars briefly um the way that kelly marie tran was treated on social media was unacceptable and you can't go after actors like that just because you don't like a character that they portray it, that's not First of all, they're they're just doing their job. At the end of the day, that's they what didn't all write the script. Do. Right. They didn't write it. I mean, you take your anger out on Ruin Johnson, that's perfectly fine. He's the one who wrote the 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 story and and take, he's the one who wrote the character and the actor can only work with what they're given. And take so, it to even even another universe. Take it into Game of Thrones. The actor, the child actor who played King Joffrey has abandon acting because of the way people treat him because of his portrayal well that's not entirely the case he was already planning to retire anyway because he didn't want to be an actor his whole life he he was a child actor who by the time he did job but he was solidified he did get, he did get unnecessary black and death threats and i agree with that yeah that's that's inappropriate stop and that's sending it. death threats you're weak-minded if you can't explain your feelings in a real honest opinion don't explain them. Well, and there's no reason to be disrespectful to people. You know, we're not doing these reviews because we want to uh, just be a negative voice in the void, tearing apart, um, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and J and and John Cena. It's we, we just we we take an analytical view and we just give a real perspective, and that's what we're about here. But we're also but I think about that's also the why we challenge each other. That's why I'm challenging you and saying that right. John Cena, and, and, and I'm saying this more for the fans, but like I honestly do believe that John Cena, a lot of his work, whether it's with the USO, whether it's with making Make-A-Wish Foundation, and everything he does, people, since the moment he walked on stage in WWE, he was the white boy douchebag that everybody imagines even to this day you you may not think of his face but his persona long jorts his that was his number one outfit was long jorts and a slightly canted hat like the number one thing that says douchebag 
and yeah, that, well, and that's and that was that was even a character too. And once a exactly. lot of people forget and, and that's, is that WWE was scripted, so those guys were all actors too. And that's why I say that this show is like really it is a little bit meta in the terms that like you get to see a guy who looks like John Cena, who you automatically think is America's douchebag listen to the history of america as it's going on in his world like his dad was 10x iron man and he was super racist like hyper racist and the show even let the character play that you're not going to hate the the actor that did that for his character because one you've heard that actor forever be a good person too but when you see him play that viciousness and you watch john cena fight him but when you hear his dad even as his dad is getting his ass whooped by his son his dad is still a prideful hubris it it it, like to me that shows the world that john cena or john cena's character peacemaker grew up in is his dad is getting his butt whooped by his son and his son is still getting talked down to by a guy who is verifiably worthless and that that to me i think that's what this show really really tells you is that like even when you go after the bad guy who is very obviously the bad guy the bad guy still thinks he's the good guy even if it's the son killing his dad and i i really think this one did an opposite effect of star wars where we learn that luke and darth vader are related and darth vader has emotional feelings for his son that he never knew he had because he never knew he existed but even the three or four hour relationship that they accumulate he can't stop feeling that and it's whether it's the forced love or whatever mystical force out there that causes us to have those kinds of feelings you notice that in this show peacemaker is crying while he's beating his dad he's crying after he killed his dad and yet his dad doesn't care and some kids grow up with that dad and i think that's something this show really really strives to point out is like you can hate people for their thoughts but maybe they would hate themselves too if they got the chance to actually understand why their thoughts are bad. Right. And, and that's kind of what's tragic about any character like that is like, you know, some of us want to see the best and even the worst in people. And I think that I liked about Spider-Man was that was the that was the theme of that movie was you, you had these villains and just overall bad people that uh Tom Holland thought that they could be redeemed and well you see the movie you know how that resolved and how that that played out and so while yes it's great that you know one way or the other the bad guy was stopped and he was more or less justice that was probably long overdue it's still sad because it should have never have had to be that way in the first place and that's where the you know, that's why he's sad because yeah, it's his dad that he has to kill, but it's, it's his dad. Who's just a, was a waste of an existence of a human. And, and that's, what's really the big sad about all of it. It's, is 
when when Look, someone bad dies, sure, there's a sense of justice. But for the people that are connected, that's still a human life that that had value to somebody, even and, though and not only life worth valuing. Not only is it a human life that had value, it's a human life that had potential to not be that. And let's not forget that this is a character who's a member of the Suicide Squad, which is meant to be the worst villains or villain henchmen of all of DC Comics history. So Peacemaker's supposed to be a racist pile of garbage. And this right, show is about showing story. him it well, and that's what this show is showing is that like even the convicted failure can be taught to be better but obviously he's not going to learn it in an episode and he didn't even learn it the whole season like he figured out his dad was bad and he didn't kill his dad because his dad was like bad to the world he killed his dad because his dad was bad to him his dad promised to chase him down and kill him, and he already had no moral, real moral argument with killing things until he started meeting good people who had a moral argument with it. Before that, his friend Vigilante is like, yeah, let's kill anything and everything. And still, Vigilante had no moral change, no emotional no. change. He's 100% sociopath as far as I can tell, and I am not yeah. a doctor, so that is a judgmental opinion but and i think that's what was super important is like vigilante never even cared about killing about race he just liked to kill and he wanted to kill for what he thought was good and according to him good was the law and that point that's another critical flaw that this show just pointed out is that vigilante according to justice and peace was carrying out justice and peace by killing like people who break the law and that is ah that's why this show just brings me so much joy even though it is so aggressive well and, and it really it, it I, I definitely uh i actually felt like i related a lot in, in a lot of ways to my old self to john cena but i also felt i related i think i pronounced her name right i i have bad trouble with name pronunciation autobio i think autobio was it bio or autobio yeah, autobio autobio um i liked that character a lot uh because she, i mean she was first of all a great actress i must say i was very impressed with her performance overall um but she was that sort of moral to help see the worst or see the best in bad people. Now, she did have her limits. She did not like Peacemaker's father, and for good reason. Um, but, however, but she didn't say go kill him. What? She didn't. She didn't. She wasn't like vigilante who was like, "Oh, he's a bad guy. Let me kill him." Instead, she was, you know, like one of she us. She was more about concerned it. with Chris's well-being. And trying to have Chris cut out the toxic relationship. She exactly. was, you're right. She was respectful she of violence to solve the problem. She, well, her morality showed through her approach to Chris in every way. But yeah. continue. I, I, I well, will also give her praise. She was, I, she, I she was basically, she was portrayed perfectly. <laughs> she was the character that we should all kind of try to want to be, you know? Not always resorting to, well, okay, people don't resort to killing these days usually, but. <laughs> Not resorting to just going to the violence, but to try and be diplomatic, to try and, and find where the good is in, in the worst of people and try and 
lot of what what their their whole relationship goes on an, on a pretty wild roller coaster throughout. I mean, man, for what James Gunn put in eight episodes is impressive. Um, a lot of the message that he put in this show was actually pretty good. Um, There's so many sub narratives, so many just little like notes, like, hey, look our world is messed up in every way it's not exactly anybody's fault but it is everybody's responsibility more or less yeah and and that's what i think this shows look here's all these people from these different backgrounds and yeah they hate each other but by the end they like each other enough to to get the job done and that, that's what always makes team stories always have a special place because it's not just one you know, badass running around, killing everybody. It's uh, everybody plays their part. Everybody has a role to making the mission a success. And so essentially, right, exactly as James Gunn did with this show, everybody wins. And when everybody wins, most everybody's happy, except for a few idiots that are either rolling for relevance or I, I don't want to have nothing better. To do. I don't want to take the any credit away from any of the other writers that helped James Gunn, all the assistants, like, like I don't this, think there this, was any assistant writing. This, this, this show, may actually. sound like crowd service and fan service, but to me, I think it's really important as somebody who often plays the role of backroom helper. I think James Gunn executed the plan perfectly, but I think of him more as a manager of the product. He, no, he, he acted the direction. No, he wrote the show. He wrote right. all the episodes. And and whether or not he did, he still had staff that helped him. The the actors oh, and actresses as, played well, their parts according to his guidance and and they executed amazingly. And I think that's something to note is that like his whether he was the main writer who wrote every single word or there was an editor who edited all the words that he wrote or the you know I I don't know. And I don't want to assume. And I also know that a lot of people that do work don't get credit. Uh, but at the same time, I, I want to show those people credit. I want to show the whole production team. Like anybody who worked on this project, this is what the fans call good. If you go to any product, if you go work on your next project, whatever you do next, take whatever you learned from this and keep it forever because like with these this product that you all produced every person who put any effort into this product all of you produced you produced quality in every yeah. sense of the word yeah everybody who worked on this show did their job and and to answer your question here i'm gonna put the imd uh looks like pat boyette and joe gill are also the other two that you want to possibly think uh I can't tell if they wrote anything for this episode, but looks like it's based on their characters at least. Shout out uh, to them. Shout out to the whole team. Shout out to the people that made everybody comfortable while they did all this freaking work. Like every yes, job is a job. Caterers and grips. Absolutely. Cheers. Absolutely. And, and yeah, that, I mean, this is a high quality. I mean, the Book of Boba Fett, admittedly, is a quality production, but that's just it. This is a this is a top notch quality production overall. Production value yeah. was on point. The opening sequence was on point. The music selections were on point. The actors were on point. Everybody played off each other well, 
and you believe the story. I mean, it takes place maybe over like three or four days, but these people go from hating each other to you know almost loving each other, it seems. And that's what I was saying earlier about John Cena. Like, absolutely. I'll give the opportunity to sit down and have a beer and have a conversation with the guy because I don't know him personally. So it isn't fair to me to be totally judgmental. And yeah, I, I don't know. The show, thankfully, the show, basically, I, I don't see him as 100% douchebag. Just 85% now. And that, that's the power of the show because John Cena's played in so much. I've seen like... 85% of his movies. Anything that he's even just done a glimpse in. And, and he's okay. <laughs> I've never really thought of him as a strong actor, but I watched this mo- show and I like I I was telling you earlier today, man, like I 100% intend on watching every episode in a row again. Because like whether or not I missed anything, that freaking intro dance kills me every time and john cena reps that harder than anybody who was that possibly awkward like that is the most awkward clearly choreographed clearly silly dance and he maintained character the entire time all of the cast did and like at some like to me i really thought for some reason everybody was going to become a butterfly like i i i i say we should probably give this spoiler spoiler alert for season or episode eight now uh no let's just let's in hold case off i say bit. something we, we wrong got a, we still got a few more minutes for this segment to go so this is a this is a, a premature spoiler alert just in case i say anything wrong about this episode so if you want to pause for like i'll give it 30 seconds i got 30 seconds worth of words to say yeah, i really seconds. thought everybody was either going to become a butterfly or die. And I was really surprised who died. Yeah, it, it was, it, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the episode eight overview here shortly. Um, but it's just uh, mostly speaking for the first seven episodes. I mean, every single episode was, was a ride and I didn't feel that there were any dull moments. And that's probably one of the biggest things about book of Boba Fett in contrast is I'm never going to watch book of Boba Fett again. I will probably watch Peacemaker season one again, at least at some point, whether or not it's before season two comes out or uh, whether or not it's just because I feel like it or in the future or it's five years from now or whatever. I There is replay value with Peacemaker. I mean, there's a lot of funny jokes and one-liners that, that this show came up with. Yeah. That are honestly some of the, just some of the most absurd yet, hilarious one-liners I've ever heard in any show lately. And while some of them were a bit obscene, I mean, uh, uh, especially the, <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, we're talking it, a little bit about episode eight spoilers, but it's not really a spoiler. It's just a line of dialogue. Uh, when uh, Harcourt calls John first as peacemaker as Schwartz a never, <laughs> like, that was a nuclear burn from orbit. I didn't laugh as hard as I did with some of the other jokes because I was just like, wow, Schwarzenegger. That's one of those insults that would just stick with me forever. That's <laughs> one of those inside jokes that Especially obviously if I was because they're so famous isn't an inside joke. Like, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, every bodybuilder would feel that burn 100%. And so when John Cena gets that, like, 
call out like oh man that's so funny and the reason i keep calling him john cena is i'm really bad with names so like i i hop between all of them um i mean but, everyone wants to know who you're talking about at least so, yeah, yeah peacemaker yeah, sure. is john cena if you don't remember the other actors or their names i mean i don't think that's i don't remember anybody's names i know autobio um uh, economist oh my god he did so well especially in episode eight so i like i'm <laughs> trying not to say yeah, anything you were talking crazy. about the finale already not, not yet not yet um it, it's just the one that's burned in my mind right now but vigilante's character oh man he was so funny from the first time you see him you to the time you like meet him a couple times you're pretty sure you know who he is before he finally takes off his mask but at the same time like oh man i just thought the the way they did that was so funny yeah and no he he his social awkwardness i mean i i, I yeah, it, it wasn't even awkwardness it was social ineptitude like he it was 100 percent ignorant exactly of social cues he, he even, just doesn't get it oh man season eight spoilers i'm not gonna say it i'll bring it up in a minute but <laughs> yeah no we'll we'll seven minutes it, we'll, we'll transition the thing, to the episode eight discussion um the thing about economos as far as like a character going through it, he was going through the inverse character growth of john cena's character whereas peacemaker is this very verbose easily he'll say anything that angers everybody because in a movie he saw it work once and so he thinks it's a normal line for a guy like him to say whereas economos is like i'm not going to say anything because i'm pretty sure somebody's going to yell at me or hurt my feelings and we watch economos just grow to the point that like he stands up for himself in a very real way and everybody's like oh that's why he's actually hurt because we're mean to a guy we don't know anything about except for what he does for us. Well, and but he also you brings as the viewer back. are like, oh, maybe a lot of the jokes against him were really mean, and I was also aiding to the bullying. And I think that's but, what that's another thing the show does is it allows you to feel like a bully. Well, and that's the thing about his character too is he he kind of also brings it on himself though. And that's kind of the lesson to learn from him is like, he doesn't bring you know, it on himself. People make fun of him, but he doesn't at any point but, bother to address it. He just responds with is more that sarcasm. Bringing it on yourself. Like if we're supposed to treat others, how we want to be treated, he is very much treating others, how he wants to be treated. He's very timid. He wants people to be direct, but nice firm, but once and quiet. And that's all he ever delivers at any point. He never yells at anybody. He's always like, I just want everything to be chill around me. And so he's treating all of his teammates the way he wants his teammates to treat him. Because we see him when he fights Judo Master. He is angry, vicious, and he actually brings out his bulk. And I think that's something that yeah. like, I didn't even notice until we're having this discussion. Well, he, if you yeah, look he at him, he's bigger of, than yep. John Cena. He has a couple of badass moments too that you don't expect. Exactly, but his friends bully him. No, he's a, they, he's, they he's do, a but warrior. he responds to it with more with more insults, though. Because it's not he's treating just, them how he wants to be treated. No, not no, he doesn't. He responds to them with, with the same sarcasm and cynicism. No, he says, that "Why do you call me Guy Beard? Why why are you why are you calling me that? I want you to call me Economos." He says it. He says, he says what he that. wants. And, 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 but he's not like, he's not vicious because he's working with vicious people. So he knows that if he gets into a vicious contest, he'll lose because of his morality. And I think that's something I, to I, highlight I, is that like 
Nobody brings anything yeah. on themselves. We don't agree here. People are just you go, mean. You need to go back and watch episode one. He's not the. He's not like I can't remember the character's name from Parks and Rec, who's like always hated, but he's so nice all the time. That's that's not the case. Gary, Jerry, he is Jerry, just a, Larry, Larry. Pick yeah. a name, something Gergich. He's not. That's not the case here at all. No, and, and, and yeah, I'm not a, saying I'm like, not saying the he's thing a is, perfect guy either. No, I'm well, just saying it. that like he portrays the kid who got bullied, and even though he's basically seven feet tall and twice the size of John Cena in weight, he is still dealing with all of the trauma of being bullied his whole life, and that's the character he portrays is a kid who's used to being bullied, and though he's always had this size. He doesn't want to hurt his friends with his size. And so he tries to hurt his friends with the same words they throw at him. And he's bad at it because he never wanted to be good at it. And 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 I say all of this because that's the character I witnessed. And I, that, that's what I mean by like an ode to any writer who put any effort into any of these characters, any actor, and anybody who did anything with these characters is I'm not talking about the actor that plays Economos. Like, I, when I talk about John Cena and Peacemaker, to me, they're one in the same with different backstories. But the character who played Economos, or the actor who played Economos versus the character who's Economos, I only see the character that's Economos. And that's why I'm standing up for an imaginary character. Like, I want our fans to know that, like, that's the kind of emotion you get from this show. You stand up for a guy that doesn't exist. It's wild. Well, and and like I said, the character is very, you, you know, he's he's kind of trying to stand up for himself. He's just trying to get through the the assignment. But I mean, no, he's I, I'd say he's got his short. I mean, all the characters, oh, yeah, their failures. But as far as John Cena being Peacemaker goes, I felt that this movie was that, or this movie, this show was. <laughs> it uh, was was it was supposed to be John Cena sort of putting himself out there for the world to see, crying to himself, singing the song. Uh, there's the part where he plays. Uh, I can't remember the song title off the top of my head, but he's playing that on the piano, and he actually played that too. That was oh, he ripped it. I was losing my mind. That was so quality. Yeah. Um. So I, I think this was his way. I think James Gunn gave him the opportunity to be like, look, you can try to rebrand yourself a little better with, with people. Now, of course, there's always going to be haters that sometimes. Um, so there's no getting away from that. However, yeah, I'm definitely a little more, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to meet John Cena. However, I'm not going to necessarily go out of my way avoid him either so that's how much the show changed my perspective on john cena all um, right yeah. we're coming into the last uh 20 minutes of this segment or 20 15 20 minutes of the segment so we are gonna go ahead and uh, spoiler alert eight discussion spoiler alert this is the spoiler, spoiler alert. alert portion of the podcast so for about the next 20 minutes if you haven't watched episode eight yet and you don't want it ruined um go ahead and just I'm just going to give it 30 seconds, and then from there, we'll cut it off at exactly an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, I think we're going to, yeah, hour and 10, hour 15, we're going to we're gonna transition to Lost Ark. Well, no, let's uh, pick a I'm time so our fans know when to come back. Oh, yeah, follow the banner. But I'm going to go ahead we and will... let you go 
let you start your start the uh, episode eight discussion. All right. So throw up that banner. Spoiler alert: when the banner drops, that's for sure when it's over. If you miss some remarks, I'll make sure that I don't let you, and I'll make anybody restart their thought. So I just like when I talked a second ago about vigilante just not understanding social cues my greatest evidence point is the end scene in the episode eight like after the credits and he goes like yeah could you just like announce when you're gonna be sarcastic like sarcasm i don't think your beard looks dyed (laughs) sarcasm i don't think you look fat and unhealthy and economist responds Hey, man, that's really mean. And he goes, sarcasm. I don't think you eat an unhealthy amount of potato chips that no man should ever eat. Not sarcasm. I really am concerned about your future life endeavors. And then Economos goes, oh, <laughs> just just shrugs it like, oh, he actually he's being mean. Sure. But at the same time, he actually cares in, an, in his own way that. That's the kind of level that the writer, James Gunn, if you did all of this, like, Jesus, the reason I don't want to give you all the credit is just because, like, that's too much. (laughs) That's too much, like, well, intuition. That's too much knowledge of your characters and what they're supposed to represent to you. So if you did it, well fucking done. There is kind of a sort of little known portion of production that people don't really, unless you're on an actual set, people don't know this. And that is your actors uh, typically know how to ad lib, and and so what what you so not while you can tell the lines of dialogue that are him that are James obviously James Gunn wrote it. Um, actors will sometimes whether they mistake or they do it on purpose, they'll change lines in the middle of a of a shot of a scene. Because either they think it'll go over better, or that's more comfortable for them, or they just forgot what they were supposed to say, and so they make it up. If I can pause you for a second, I can tell you the most insane literary failure that has changed everybody's life forever. And that is that Sean Connery butchered the uh, original order of a, uh, what is it, Uh, not a mojito, the other one, Martini. A classic martini, shaken, not stirred. That's the way you make a martini. What he was supposed to say was stirred, not shaken, because that was James Bond's niche, according to the books. Mm. And Sean Connery butchered that to the point that all of us, anytime we ever order a martini, say shaken, not stirred. And that is literally how you make a martini. (laughs) And I think that's so funny. So, yes, continue your point. Well, yeah, that that was my point, actually. That was an excellent uh, point to build off of was the fact that that that's that's how it goes is after sometimes sometimes brains don't quite read words the same. I mean, I'm right. But sometimes for some reason we memorize things backwards or we just say it because it sounds better to us. And so, yeah, a lot of the one liners, I'm pretty sure were James Gunn, excuse me. Um, But I do think saw with that sarcasm comment might have even been a 
totally improv. You know, and that could be because like they did save it for the end credit scene, but they didn't call it a blooper, which it could have technically been a blooper. Yes, it could have. Been. Um, and and in that instance, like you're like, if it was a blooper, that's the most clever blooper for the character, not the actor. Like the guy who played Vigilante. I don't know if he's autistic, but I know for a fact he played a very well-done autistic person because he had no understanding of social cues, but he understood how to be strong and tough. He was 100% accustomed to bullying and his character, like his uh, his secret identity, whatever you call it, I can't remember, um, his, his public persona was 100% like okay with being bullied. And that's why he put on the mask was that he was like, look, I can't kill my bullies as me because i'll go to jail but uh (laughs) i can put all of the bullies in the ground with this mask on and we have to remember that like a lot of these characters are supposedly listening to batman and avengers or not avengers uh justice league actually on the news so they're actually inspired and this is like vigilante's approach to justice but again his only justice is the law and that's where like like adebayo who is literally the definitions of or the definition of black ops dark super secret cia character daughter so she has the moral compass of the rest of us but she grew up with the moral compass of you know whatever the cia considers morality and you see that conflict but you see it like it's weird. I I thought for the longest time, especially based off of what school teachers told me and everything, is they said that like most actors can't portray what writers put on paper. So like you can't portray Shakespeare in a movie. And to them I say somebody proved you wrong because like Autobio she really felt like a normal person struggling with a very obscene obscure issue. But her monologues, her diatribes, her just any time she was like told to have emotion, I felt like I was watching my friend suffer. And that's to me, like it's an element of like dirty because, you know, she's fake, but also like, well, freaking done to the writers again, to the actors, the actresses. And, and when I say actors, I, again, I'm bad with titles. I don't mean anything to say that men are better than women in their art. I just put it all under one generic term actor. I don't get why there's separation because all of these people deserve all of the money. Like if friends was making 1.5 million an episode, this show deserves 10.10 million an episode because it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it was, well, it's also still got to grow a base. I mean, it's, it's probably going to come in a lot stronger in season two as people watch the, the replay. And that's why I said friends in general. Um, Because I really believe that Peacemaker is just going to become its own spinoff. It's going to be its own universe within the universe. It's got the potential to go, yeah, it's got the potential to go two ways. It's either going to go success, every season is going to be a smash hit. Or it's going to go the way of Rick and Morty and they're going to go too ridiculous over the top. But I don't know. But I think we didn't even see hopeful. anything ridiculous. Because, because the James most we Gunn, saw was that freaking torpedo helmet. Sorry. James Gunn did the Suicide Squad. 
and objectively, The Suicide Squad is a good movie. It passes. It stands on its own. It's it's not it's not for me because I didn't like the over the top, realistic violence, um, or realistic hyper realistic cartoon violence. Is what I say. Um, and so that's why I was hesitant to was I was like, ah, it's James Gunn, it's John Cena, it's probably going to be stupid violent. And there were violent, but that wasn't the main feature of the show. I felt Suicide Squad had a lot of over-the-top violence, whereas this show did it appropriately. It was balanced out. It was, you know, yeah, during the fight scenes, they were pretty, I mean, um, any show or movie that portrays a guy that uses swords and you don't see limbs go flying, it, yeah, that's entirely unrealistic to what happens. Um, you so, have to be a master swordsman with a masterly bad. crafted sword to cut a limb off in one stroke. It's, yes, but even then, it's still going to be bloody and gross whether or not mm -hmm. you, you get a clean cut. And so I, I think, yeah as best characters go auto bio was definitely up there well um, i don't I, I don't even want to do a best characters for this show because each character portrayed their archetype perfectly well, all the actors did good but no I, no, I no, no no i don't auto even say actors was, i say like really... the characters like auto bio doesn't mean anything in terms of like what peacemaker brought to the team heartmaker does or i can't remember her name hardcore Hardcore doesn't overpower Peacemaker, doesn't overpower Vigilante. Economos doesn't affect hardly anything. And that, I think, is such a crazy thing um, to Economos see in a team like comment. backbone of the team. No, He's but I mean in terms of, like... I mean in terms of, like, his character does... Like, you can't get rid of any of these characters. Even no, Mern. Even Mern, not. who died at the end. Like, you know that this team is limping because he's lost because his character was dealing with a whole different set of emotional problems that we didn't even know about until an episode before he dies. And that I think is the thing this show really like teaches us is that like you want to say you're the main character in your show, but even the main character has no fucking clue about his teammates. And that's why okay, I dropped the, there goes our I'm, one F bomb for the stream. And, and, and I'm dropping it there because I really want the intensity to come off. I really do believe that like this show portrayed how teams actually operate. Like while Peacemaker thinks he's, you know, the master of everything, he is the, the icon, he's the name of the show. The team is, if he's off the team, it struggles. If he's on the team, it struggles. But if he's off the team, the team itself will eventually figure it out to some degree. But if he's on the team, he has to be respectful of his teammates. He has to understand his teammates. He has to get to know his teammates. And I think that's something that like this show really does is it takes the time for teammates to have tension. And like, it, it, yeah, it was like, it was prejudiced, right? Because Peacemaker's a prison, like he, he was a killer. He was in prison. He's, he's part of the suicide squad, the group that's meant to be expendable. And Adebayo, who works for the woman who created the Suicide Squad, is like, yeah, but what if? What if I could fix this racist POS? And she tries, and she doesn't do it well. Because she still, you know, uh, betrays him. She still takes advantage of his trust. 
because she thinks it's the right thing to do, even though she knows it's the wrong thing to do. Because sometimes we think we know what right is, and sometimes we feel what right is, and we still do what we assume is right. And and that's what this show really shows is that like a team is not as strong as its weakest link. Everybody is weak in some part of the team. Everybody has their own weakest link. The person is only as strong as their weakest link. And they're only as strong as they're willing to fix that weak link. Because like right. you don't you don't fix weak links on accident. You fix them on purpose. Well, and a weak link also wants has to want to be fixed as well. That's a very important thing to remember is that you can't yeah. fix somebody who yeah. doesn't want to be fixed either. So at some point you just gotta, you know, figure out how much it's worth investing in someone. But yes, Autobio is a very a very good character. Definitely uh, someone to to be inspired by. I mean, they all are in their own way. Uh, well, Vigilante is questionable. Um, <laughs> Vigilante but with that, we're going to conclude. We're going to conclude two. Peacemaker. I'm excited for season two. I think season two will be great. But I think we're going to go ahead and, and move on from that portion of the discussion to our next portion. And to do that, we are going to be bringing in our guest panelist um i'm gonna go ahead and bring them in to talk the latest mmo craze matt why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself explain to us who you are and why you're here uh well i'm i'm matt i live in northern idaho um and i do id for a living yeah. So if you have problems with his with your computer, he's the man to talk to. All right. So I'm gonna go no. ahead and pull up this. Don't clip. talk to me, please. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and spam his inbox. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up this clip from Lost Ark that I recorded recently, and we're just gonna check it out real quick, and then we will discuss it. All right. So yeah, I just got my ladybug recently. I was very proud of it. It was a lot of fun to uh to to ride. All right. So Lost Ark is a new to North America and Europe MMO that takes place uh in the uh oh okay, John was talking there. World of Arcasia. Your character is supposed to find what is known as the Ark, and that is contained in seven different pieces throughout. Um Matt, first impressions mm-hmm. of Lost Ark. Go ahead while I gear up the background. Gotcha. Okay. So first impressions have been actually it's been really fun Uh, the general experience um with a lot of games uh that i've had that are similar to this diablo that's just the best example um you start off the game feeling powerful for everything that you're fighting either that or you don't and you are just particularly interested in the story um because they focus a lot on trying to really hook you into the game 
What's been kind of surprising to me is I have spent probably the first 12 hours of the game kind of just continuously being captivated with the story. And on top of that, I feel I start the game feeling actually powerful, which is great. Um, it's it's uh, very different than that grind, killing boars outside of the town you spawn in in World of Warcraft or, or anything like that. Just feeling... It's just easily getting bored, I guess. You're never really bored with this game so far. I'm gonna jump in there, uh, Parker. Matt, what what makes you call a good game a good game? Personally, individually, as just a player of games, what do you consider a good game? Like, generally. Like, if you were to say, I like games because... How would you end that sentence? I think it really depends on the mood. Context, I feel, is pretty darn important here. Uh, sometimes I'm in the mood for a really good single-player story experience or uh, a horror game. Um, outside of that, um, being able to play games with my friends if I'm feeling particularly sociable. And that being said, um, let's take a single-player experience um control it had a very interesting plot um it, a lot of it was pretty confusing to get your first playthrough play through it again and you pick a lot more uh two souls is uh, another really good example of just a very story focused game but outside of that let's say i have want to play some games with friends Maybe I'll want to boot up an emulator and um, see if I can get a folks to play Mario Party. Or uh, Gang Beasts is another example. Just kind of silly, silly fun that you can do for hours because you're doing it with friends. So I guess to answer your question more directly, um, is the, the thing that makes games valuable is context dependent does it captivate in a story or does it have a lot of replay value is this something that would bring a community together that kind of thing that's well spoken i i love that i i just really want to know and i want people to know what people actually care about when it comes to games like mm -hmm. to me i'm an avid gamer and I honestly sometimes wonder why I buy games. A lot of it has to do with uh, what friends tell me I should buy. But the way you said it, I think, is really important. I think it, I feel like it was perfectly worded. Well, thank you. I try to be articulate. So <laughs> I, I do think that... Um, so I did... I, what I'm playing on the background right now is the director's trailer. And it's definitely worth checking out because that was what... I think this game has a lot of good elements going for it. Um, I think it's got a lot of potential. However, um, my recommendation for this game is currently split. And the reason that my recommendation for this game is currently split is for... Uh, well, it depends on who... It depends on what you're looking for. So for me, in an MMO, I do like my character customization. I like playing Barbie doll. 
with my characters, being able to change my outfits, whatever, uh, depending on what game I'm playing. Um, for So for Star Trek, I have a whole fleet full of ships that I regularly swat, cycle through and swap out. So transmog and self-expression, I think, is a huge deal for a lot of MMO players. I mean, Star Trek Online is definitely supported because people like that custom content. And this game just doesn't quite from what I, I tried the other reason is three nights in a row that I've tried to grind this out to get to end game. Um <laughs> I ended up uh, I, I I ended up not being able to because they had three nights in a row of three hour maintenance at the same time <laughs> and that's just not a good not a wrong start and i'm familiar with the excuses they said it's a north it's their first release in north america and in europe and i'm just not so sure that it was you know on the one hand okay you guys didn't think it was our team came out with this trailer and it was really good so obviously that you did something right and it well, seems like you should have over-prepared for this, and they didn't. Well, I think... I don't think... I, I bet you they did, according to their standards. I, I would assume that they thought that they were going to... I don't know what the numbers were, but I, let's say... Let's assume that they thought they were going to get 20 million. And so they prepped for 40 million, and it turns out they got 80 million. Like, that's something that a lot of players don't take into account on the dev side is like there's a lot of humility not hubris like they they'll be like look we're going to create the game that's the next world of warcraft and they'll say it and they'll pitch it and they'll you know this video this is beautiful if i had watched this video i would have bought the game tomorrow if i had the computer for it <laughs> but oh yeah visually that, this game is Exactly. And so, but even at the same time, you have to, you have to account for humility and especially in a country like South Korea, where humility is the only thing that gets you a job. And so they probably assumed they were going to get a hundred million North American downloads. I wasn't stationed. I, I spent something like 50 days over there. Okay. And I unfortunately didn't get Still to 50 more days than me. I didn't get to meet any of the culture. I didn't get to oh. understand any of the people and their opinions, but I did spend a little time in Japan. And in Japan, I learned a lot about a culture that like Americans think they understand versus like what they know they understand. And that's why I say this as a non understanding person who understands the, the complexity. And what I know is that like the people in Korea, they, there's 2.8 to 17.8 million game players in South Korea and that's nothing compared to the 450 million potential Americans because people have multiple consoles, multiple computers, multiple devices, multiple kids that aren't technically a part of that population number and I think that's just it's not necessarily an oversight issue versus it is an over estimated humility like they're trying not to be hyperbolic and then it turns out that they like super undershot like when they pitch it to the the team that has to pay for the servers that will control the game 
they were like, look, we want to afford a hundred million players at a time, but realistically, we're going to start out with 80 million. And the server yeah. people were probably like, you guys should do 75 million. And so then Matt, they got 200 million. Matt, you have a, it, it was actually a, it's I think over a million active users was what steam uh, posted. Um, mm -hmm. Matt, you have a couple of uh, just a little bit of experience. Oh yeah. For sure. So this isn't necessarily a developer issue or a coding issue. This is just a infrastructure issue. And a lot of the numbers that um, the infrastructure folks who support this, uh, uh, the way they kind of gather their metrics is through uh, ratings. Um, like say uh, they release a YouTube video, how many people liked it, how many people liked or uh, tried to play the game in a beta state. Um, what was the general feedback on that? And then they use those metrics to figure out what kind of server load um, they should anticipate. And if they're smart, they'll double it. But sometimes even then, it doesn't necessarily matter. You've got a bunch of people who would watch a really captivating trailer on YouTube and, and they would just say to themselves, yeah, I'm going to get that game. It's free to play. It comes out this day. I'm going to get it. And that's it. They don't leave any kind of feedback or anything like that. So it impacts those metrics. There's very little you can do. And I think that's the primary problem why a lot of games come out. Uh, online games, um, when, when they come out, there's always server problems. And more often than not, it's just because they have way too much traffic, much more so than they anticipated. And it's because they, they're not getting the feedback or the uh, metrics that they actually need. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of my grief mostly, it's not the fact that it's having issues. I mean, that, that's to be expected. But for me, it seems mm -hmm. like there's oversight on the planning and management was making bad decisions. I've never had an MMO experience where I had three-hour maintenance blocks at the same time. And it, if the thing is so unstable, then it would make sense to me that you would stagger those so you're not constantly screwing the same people at the same zones. So I think that they, they, and the thing is, it seems to me that this development company is very new to the North American and European market. And so they weren't entirely ready for this launch. However, I, I think a lot of it could be remedied with just better scheduling and timing. I mean, I get it. Games need maintenance. Games need fixed. But the fact that they had it three days in a row on the same schedule, that really just... I ended up downloading Guild Wars 2 and checking that out. That's how. That's mm -hmm. how. That's what that, that. Because I couldn't play this game, I couldn't get to level 50 before this review, which is what I wanted to do. But, I mean, the times but I. Look, look at what the creators created for you. Even though you had to suffer that maintenance, even though. Yes, it, it is definitely, especially as somebody who's trying to do oh, a I, review I'm not for ready a thing. to poo-poo on the whole game. Exactly, exactly. You waited those three hours three days in a row. You didn't go, I waited three hours on the first day and ba bailed. I waited three hours on the second day and bailed. No, you waited three hours on three days in a row and you're still ready to go back into it. And I think that that speaks more to what the developers did. They created a thing that they believed in 
and now the infrastructure that exists to provide it to everybody is limited and we're suffering at those players like i don't think the developers or anybody who worked on this project failed in any way i think we're oh, no, like the, what matt was just describing it, the dev team and the people just team didn't believe it was gonna perform like it did and because of that the dev team suffered because the dev team had to do that maintenance that we that you witnessed i didn't wish unfortunately but yeah it, it, just still watching this trailer i'm losing my mind it's so pretty so i think <sighs> that overall lost ark has a lot of potential and it so uh, this is where my recommendation do i recommend this game um i'm split on my recommendation if you are into transmog customization and you know, you really want to have total control over your character's looks and your outfit. Wait, uh, I would say hold off a couple of months, see what adjustments they do, see if they decide to play to the North American market and make customization more versatile in that sense. Um, because it's it's one of the most like I was purposefully uh, working using garbage armor because I didn't like what it looked like. And I couldn't choose a different style. And with my other MMOs that I've played, like Star Wars or Republic, which we'll get into that another time, um, or Star Trek Online, I had a lot of options that I could change. I could make my character what I want. And, you know, some people make the argument of, well, then everybody just wears what they want. Nobody cares what they look like. Well, I care what I look like for me. And that's all that really matters. Um... So that's why those games sell is because you have that freedom, that control of your self-expression. And so because this game, which, as you can see, is visually stunning, not having that is going to be a detriment in the long run. But I have heard, because the Koreans are on the more advanced version of this game. South Koreans, let's you know, give the right country the right credit and not the whole peninsula. <laughs> I think everyone uh, and knows. I mean that in the most South, the South sense. Koreans. No, no, no. South Koreans we all may know <laughs> it, but we want the North Koreans to know. Well, it actually, know it. I think the South Koreans have said since they since they had their negotiations that they are trying to see they want to be seen as as one people. But that's anyway. Uh, for that's sure, for another. That's the truth. I did not, not hear that. One. I've never heard that, so <laughs> I didn't. Know we're that, just. But we're just. I just want to give the, credit to. We're the here deal. for the games and entertainment. We try to avoid the politics. Um, so this, you know, with the exception of in-game in-show politics, um, with this game though, it has the potential to be good. It's just, it needs more time, I think, but supposedly there is transmog coming according to the, uh, the people that are on the advanced servers. So I, it seems that patience is necessary and patience is always necessary with any MMO like this. It's just... I had this discussion with uh, some of our friends over at Super Gamecraft last night that while I ag accept, while I'm grateful that game developers as a whole are being more open with the problems, we have to examine the intention behind that. Are development companies doing that because they want to um, be open with us? Or are they just doing it because they're making excuses? And so, and I'm not saying that they necessarily are making excuses with Lost Ark or necessarily other games. It's just, 
it seems to be that we, we've been on a pattern lately with movies and shows that, that we're kind of accepting the mediocrity, so to speak. And it's like, no, we need to restore some of these standards. Now, obviously, you know, you don't need to go and make the next World of Warcraft. That's impossible, I think. But even then, your goal should be to crank out a quality product and you should try to avoid maintenance three days in a row. Absolutely. And Matt, I want to know, what do you think? What do you think would make this game better to you? You said you enjoyed it on the first initial playthrough. Obviously, we've heard what Parker wants to say in terms of transmog. Me personally, like even though I have not played this, that is a key component to me. I love character creation, customization, contiguous throughout the entire game. Matt, what do you care about in that uh, sphere, in that area? So there's there's a few things I, I want to back up a little bit regarding kind of just the the server stuff again one that I didn't think about before um, I I never really looked at Twitch um, to see what the most trending games but I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was one of the most top trending games at that time um, for however many days and that does attract even more attention to the game so you have more players. And a lot of these players, and you know, kind of just to counter a little bit what you were talking about before in regards to playing it, um, uh, it's free. It's free to play. So if you don't like it, you're literally out nothing. I would say absolutely, give it a shot. And I'm only level thirty right now. I'm I'm pretty far from actually beating the game with, with sorceress. Um, I'm having a blast the entire time. So, Sorceress right. is definitely a very powerful character. In that yeah. case, Matt, I've noticed. What, what do you want to see? Like, if, if if you are the genie of the next update, what do you personally wish to see in the next uh, update? Um, I think the thing that I would want to see, um, so far with my actual. Uh, with everything my current experience playing the game right now i'm very pleased with everything um maybe if if i were to complain about anything the fetch quests are easy but they, they can clog up your quest line sometimes and i'm i i don't like fetch quests that's just me um i'd rather just do that a little bit less and get a little bit more experience to kind of balance things out or do or maybe have more of a focus on doing dungeons or more difficult challenges instead you, of kind of sinking you... time aside from that the one thing that i am particularly worried about um is end game content uh but i but I also this game is very very new and not be surprised at all if that's one of the things they're probably going to prioritize addressing more in-game content for people playing you know their top level characters they did all of the stuff they want to jump back and they want something to do and the way diablo did it was uh rift, rift runs i believe yeah 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 rift runs um you would just tackle a particular uh, dynamically generated dungeon um at progressively harder difficulties but you would you know that that wasn't a lot for it became a plenty of people. for a while yeah it's just the same thing except now uh failure is punished more harshly and just kind of progressive it gets old it really Ooh. gets old 
on that on your note about uh not wanting to play as many fetch quests to grow to you know get better gain more experience what what kind of quests in this game made you like yeah i want to play more of that style not necessarily that same quest over and over but that style what style of quest do you like in general even uh so the particular actually pretty much all of the sections that you are instanced by yourself um they throw huge mobs of dudes at you and you get to really play with all of your skills and it is fun watching people explode into tiny mists of salsa and it is dope um more of that but i want to do that with weapons so what was that last my one? buddy found last word well my uh, buddy found... i want to i want to do that with friends as well oh, okay cool 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 mm -hmm. i love that Mm -hmm. So what my buddy found out getting to end game is that it uh, it is mostly dungeon oriented. Um, yeah. And that's what a lot of the gear grind is. So it seems that some of the paid pay to win stuff is mostly for conveniences because um, the PVP is completely uh, the, the gear has zero effect. Everybody has the same level gear and abilities. And so it's it's just a matter of what combo of abilities you want to use so i've touched the pvp a little bit i would say there's there's definitely better pvp out there um it's just a matter of what you're looking for in that experience however the in-game experience i don't know it seems like it could be rough with in that in that case to both guns. of you to both of you very qualified mmo players because i i've played <laughs> as many as i've played which is like four re, like especially computer mmos i'm not a very good computer-based gamer i love my console just because i love my controllers but to both of you i posit the question what is it in game that would make you comfortable what's an end game that'll make you keep coming back for me the only end game i've ever contiguously come back to is gta 5 online like even though i beat the game i don't and i didn't get to take anything over to online when i go into gta online i still go for me it has nothing to do with the overall like story of the gta universe it just has to do with the fact that i get to be my character so i asked that to you guys what would be your in-game desire? Go ahead, Matt. All right, cool. So, for me, I like I like the idea of being able to self-impose new challenges. Um, so here's here's a really good example of that. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Ark uh, Survival Evolved. Um, I like the general story and the setting. The process of like building a huge base and gathering resources and taming dinosaurs, putting saddles on them, and then find new bigger things. There's always something else to do and work towards. But at no point does it ever feel so far away that it's unattainable. Um, here's... An example of that, um, in a lot of MMOs that I've played, you can purchase a house, right? But it costs so much money to purchase a house. You look at that cost and you're like, I'm going to be sitting here for like 800 hours just to get a house. 
And when I buy it, it's going to be empty. There's going to be nothing inside of it. And then I'm going to have to work even longer to furnish the place. And some people like that grind. That's great. You know, that gives you something to do in your off time. Um, after work or whatever you want to just do something relaxing play the game put more time into it um and that's great for me i just don't really have that patience because um i'm never going to really visit the house unless there's like utilitarian equipment in there i can use to modify my character or my equipment and anything like that i don't want to spend that much time that's really awesome. I, I love that insight. I would have never thought of that, especially in terms of just, yeah, the grind, the cost benefit analysis. Like if I have to grind 800 hours for a thing that mm -hmm. is a status symbol, I'll just go do that to earn a Gucci wallet so that I can actually yeah. carry that status symbol in real life. Yeah, a but, lot of. But also uh, that's just an opportunity to play a different game. Maybe it's time for a single player or a new MMO, something else your friends are playing. Like, move well, on. Well, well put. That is an yeah. awesome, like, especially to the writers of games, to the creators of games. Like, when you make your fans feel like they have to grind, they're going to go find the game that doesn't feel that vibe. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, the draw for me in games is, is really just, so for SWOTOR, I like, uh, I liked the PVP a lot, and that's what I played. And for Star Trek, a lot of it is trying new things, new builds, new stuff. So it, it varies for me. So I think what it's it's just going to depend on what I find it in game. If there's enough that's worth getting, and and I'm I'm in agreement with Matt. If you like gear grinds, great. Um, I do and i don't it depends on what the grind is and it depends on how complicated it is and i think one of the things that that lost ark has kind of not uh, working against it is all the currencies and all the different functions and features while it's great for the people who want all that stuff that's there for me i'm like almost getting kind of lost in it because i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing or what it's uh you know what what is my motivation basically why am i really continuing to do this and while the while the story itself is passable i mean it's nothing spectacular but it's not terrible mm -hmm. why else do i want to play this keep playing this game is what it comes down to for me so i'm like i said i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes it's got a lot of potential I just don't think I'd necessarily recommend it, especially if you're a cosmetic person. I'd say wait on it, pay to follow it for the next few months because they do have some hurdles to overcome. Um, am I going to stop playing it altogether? Probably not. But I'm also, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I'm going to touch it between now and the next couple months, honestly. So, well, but also at the same time, it's free. So if there's anything in our conversation uh, that we've had that far that has uh, appealed to you, give it a shot. You got nothing to lose. Maybe, right. I don't know, some time. <laughs> and, yeah, the worst you're going to lose is, is is your time. And, I mean, again, if you have the patience to deal with back-to-back-to-back-to-back maintenance periods, then, again, go right in. Um, well, I, I would like to put something on there, especially to what Matt just said. That's actually a really important point. It is free. 
And so when you go and just show your interest, it goes back to what Matt said a lot earlier about like what the devs and what the publishers are looking for to ensure that there is less server maintenance in the future because they have to like reserve those servers. They have to pay for those servers. It's like renting or ordering a thousand pizzas and only 80 of your friends showing up. It's not going to feed everybody in tonight because you got like several hundred extra pizzas. But if, if you're somebody who wants to try a fun game, it looks a lot of fun. And if you're waiting for another game to come out, because I know for a fact there are several great games on the way, it's free. Show them your support, and then we will achieve what, what both hmm. Parker and Matt are saying, is they can <laughs> get better updates because they know you're going to be there when they arrive. Yes, show them your support by contributing to their server load. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. More maintenance, but also more interest. And like, it's it's like if you go to a concert and there's a hundred fans that want in, but you bought a thousand fan venue, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what they're worried about. They don't want to buy the thousand fan venue until they know there's a thousand fans that want to be there. And that's why I say because what matt said it is free show mm-hmm. your support if you care yeah yeah far yeah. be it for me I'll... to far be it for me to tell someone not to go play a free game i mean matt you make an excellent point <laughs> it's not it's not gonna cost you anything except your time and yes like i said a lot of good things going for this a few things working against it a couple of them i think they can remedy but you're probably the overabundance of currency and features and functions, I don't think that's anything that they can just, you know, either remove or mitigate. That That's just going to be there. And so, is it casual friendly? I can't determine that yet. I haven't played with it enough. I haven't hit in-game. I don't know. It definitely Play Sorceress. Has... Huh? Play Sorceress. You just delete people. You just delete them. <laughs> yeah, if that's what your power is, it's it's yeah. Control A, Control C, or no? Control yeah. A, Control X. Yeah, that's, that's your ability. <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 fun. Don't get me wrong, and it's and the fact that it has controller support was a huge, and that it was so seamless to to use. Even I actually use both because uh, mm-hmm. when I'm doing like my inventory stuff and my interactions, I like to have the convenience of the mouse. It's much quicker. But the fact that I can just relax in a, in a control with a controller and enjoy the game is a huge deal to me. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I hope it stays that way. I hope that those extra elements are just there for the people who have nothing else to do with their lives except play Lost Ark and eat and sleep and breathe. So mm-hmm. that's fine. I, I agree with you, Matt. I'm glad that those things are there for the people that do them, but like Swotor had strongholds, which was the same thing. You had to grind billions of current of credits almost mm-hmm. to get your unlocks. And I didn't really care for that that much. I just happened to have the money in my bank and that's how I expanded. I was never working <laughs> to, to get my stuff. I was just, you know, running PVP and making money that way. And so that that's what appealed to me in Swotor. But that's what I think really defines a game as good, especially in the MMO world, is first of all, how much participation is required to enjoy the game, to actually enjoy the game. And then do I have to enjoy the game a specific way? 
Yeah. And that's what, especially with Star Trek, is no, you have so many different ways you can approach that game. And, and that's the same thing with this game. Because the classes are so diverse, you, you know, if you don't like the class you're playing, there's a very good chance you'll find one that, that suits your play style. Mm hmm. What so, I would. What I would say to kind of continue off of that, I would urge people to play. And the reason why I would urge people okay. to play is, one, it's fun. It really is fun. Just starting out, you can get at least 15 hours of fun. If you're looking for 15 hours to kill over the course of however long, give it a go. Absolutely. Yeah, Two. and I mean, there's, there's actually... So you haven't hit this part yet, and I don't necessarily want to give spoilers, but it's it's kind of a moment that happens in one of the upcoming dungeons. Um, mm -hmm. If you thought that first one, that first castle siege, was a Lord of the Rings experience, dude, that first castle siege is like Helm's Deep. The one that's coming up that yeah. you're about to do is like Minas Tirith slash Fields of Pelennor. Uh, when Theoden comes fighting. So, yes! Yes. So what you do, <laughs> the, the people that you help out before that battle, they actually come in in the clutch and save the day. And the, and the theme song strikes up. So you're doing battle while the theme is just blasting in the background. And it is one of the coolest moments. Like, that was the moment I was like, all right, even if I don't play this game that often, I got my founder's pack money worth that experience. Right this is there. Good stuff. That right there. How do you package that experience and then turn it into end game content? Right. And that has been such a difficult problem for people to solve. It's a really difficult problem to solve. Well, but, and that's yeah. Like I'm, I'm super excited for that. No spoilers. I don't spoil this for. I'll kill you. <laughs> it's yeah. No, I'm not gonna say what. Well, and then even though if you've been watching <laughs> that story, there's some story twists coming up that that actually I was like, oh, I'm kind of invested in this more now. So the story yeah, awesome. kind of slow drip grows on you. Like you can not care about it, but eventually mm -hmm. you're gonna have moments. Like I had chills on that last dungeon. I have not uh, had yeah. tools in a video game moment for a long time. And that moment mm -hmm. was like, oh, this is, this is like, I felt like I was playing the old Lord of the Rings games, the, the good I, ones from. I'd really like, oh, I'd really like to jump yeah. in here. As, as somebody who has yet to play this game, the way you guys are talking about it, like, I, I want you guys to know that, like, especially Parker, you were saying you don't recommend it. Like, this I recommend isn't, waiting. You're not recommending a $60 charge. And and, no. and that, to me, it's like I might spend money to be able to buy a computer capable of holding this game. Because it, like, it, it sounds fun. Not only is what you said, Matt, 15 hours of controlled content. Like, I've been spending $60 on five hours of fun content. Yeah. Occasionally. Like, you know, you drop into a game and you're like, I've only played five hours of this, but I'm done playing any more hours of this. But you guys are describing a game that's free and guaranteed 15. And what sounds like Parker is you're saying, what, another five on top of that? So 20 hours of guaranteed fun? Guaranteed. Because the way you guys are talking about it to me, as somebody who only knows like Parker's emotional investment in games, and Matt, it sounds like you have a lot as well. It, it, it really, like, honestly, I feel bad that I don't own a computer capable. Oh, and you don't even need much for this either. Um, the hardware requirements are, like... Throw I it out there. Throw it out to our fans. Wait, what? 
I said throw it out to our fans if you got it off the top of your head, possibly. I, I don't. They're oh. don't need a. Uh, I think they said the lowest card you could run is like a nine is like a, an NVIDIA 960 or something like that. Or it's like a 900 series card. Like that's how, that's how compatible this game is. Like they definitely did a good job of, of making it available to everyone. Um, I play it in 4k pretty much full spec and it looks good. And I'm only running a 2080 super. So if my mm-hmm. 2080 super can support it at 4k, pretty sure you're, garbage card can hold it just fine i mean you know you're probably not going to get 60 frames but it still is wonderful it is fun to play i like the combo play style um and especially john since you mentioned you like the controller it does have control yeah you're talking about in-game stuff from what my buddy says it looks like a lot of in-game is surrounded around dungeons uh replaying old dungeons mm-hmm. with harder bosses and uh that's what a lot of of the dungeon grind uh, but also, the map for Lost Ark is huge. And I wish I'd grabbed a screenshot for it. Um, actually, you know what? <laughs> Let me put one of you on display real quick. I'm going to see if I can find a picture of the map. All right. Put me on display. While you're finding a map, I'm going to bring up my second point. The second thing that I wanted to say is, if you show interest in playing the game, you download it, you play it contributing to those metrics if you like the game uh, and you continue playing it that's another metric that's collected and the same goes vice versa if you don't like it that helps that helps those people developing those servers or expanding those servers uh, trying to accommodate that bandwidth um, and that general traffic and uh, adding to those computing resources, uh, it lets them know more accurately what they need to buy, what their budget should be, and from there, we're we're going to see a lot less of those maintenance windows. Like we're not yeah. going to see those three days um, of three hours of maintenance often. In At fact, that's probably going to get patched up pretty darn quick. So that was probably just a once-off thing for you. And that's perfect. The only way you can figure out um, if you need to allocate or spend money to invest more into computing resources, using those metrics, by contributing those metrics, you help them fail faster so they can be correct sooner. Yeah. So and play that, the game and beautiful. figure out if you like it. That so anyway, real so quick, well I'm just gonna, just gonna touch on this is the Thank map. You. It is huge. Um, you start on that lower continent there, that that semi big piece of land, and it that is your first like 45 levels is just on that first land mass there. So mm-hmm. get a ship, explore the rest of the world, check out other islands. Like there is stuff to check out in this game and explore. It's one of the other reasons I started getting into it. I don't, you know my end game might just be running around to these other islands and experiencing all these side quests. But we're coming in the last five minutes, which means it is almost time to wrap it up. And we are going to transition to closing thoughts. In that case, so, was... yeah. what games <laughs> will you be playing this week? Oh, I'm definitely going to be playing more Lost Ark. 
Um, I'm definitely going to be playing Ark Survival Evolved, because dinosaurs? Who doesn't want to ride around on dinosaurs? Play it! It's fun! Just the base game. It's great! Um, try to play on unofficial servers, though. The official ones, are, they really suck. Bubba-bunk. Oh my gosh, they suck. Um, let's see. Single-player games? I don't really have any in mind. If you got a PS4, Two Souls. Play Two Souls if you want a really good story. Play Two Souls. It's on, um, oh, it's on the Epic launch, uh, the Epic Game Store. Hmm. Try it. It's fun. It's great. It's John, like watching about, a movie. John, what about you for games this week? This week, uh, I'm going to be playing Forza 5. I cannot get over that game, honestly. Uh, it, it has nothing to do with story. It has nothing to do with how the game flows because I can't figure it out. I play it like a schizophrenic. I'm jumping from level to level. I'm driving different cars. But I can say for the first time in a long time, when you play easy or novice, I think is what they call it in that game, novice, it, you don't have any tension. It, it, it's not easy in terms of like easier driving. Your car still sucks and if you do. If you want to get good, you have to get good at driving in the game according to the game. But you at least don't have to feel bad that you're in 12th place the whole time. And that to me is something that I have missed from a lot of games where easy just meant leisure and the way forza 5 new horizon the way it hits to me is just this game of catharsis which is ah something i've needed for a long time yeah so i myself will will probably be playing a bit more lost ark i'm just gonna be checking out guild wars 2 and I think those will be my games for the for the rest of this week. Um, still got Star Trek Online, but it's <laughs> it just feels so so dated and archaic having to play mouse and keyboard again after being so so well treated on the controller. Cozy Koala three in the chat. Hi guys, pizza making is going well. Well, that's good to hear, Cozy. Koala. I hope you're making the best pizzas in the world. And. Uh, well, this uh, pretty much brings us into the last two minutes of our show. Uh, I want to thank all of you who viewed and tuned in today. That really helps us out. If you did miss this live broadcast, we'll remain on the Ryder Brothers page. Uh, Papa Delta Yankee just does live simulcast, so it will not be available there unless you have the original link. But otherwise, the primary host for this show is going to be on the Ryder Brothers host uh, pretty much all our podcasts, all of our pre previous broadcasts will be archived there. And we will also be uploading this podcast to other platforms in pre-recorded format. So if you missed it, you can always check us out at a later time. Uh, we do our to two hours, so uh, hopefully not not too much of a, of a time commitment there. And uh, if you have any suggestions, we can be reached at thewriterbrothers at gmail.com. And uh, chatter uh any last uh, couple of things to squeeze in for the last 30 seconds anybody 
Matt, I really want to say thank you for all of your contributions. You did so well and you were absolutely articulate. You made me wish I was better at doing this. Thank you so much for coming on yeah, to the show. Especially if you keep up with other pop culture shows and movies, we can definitely have you on for longer times. Oh, no. I don't think I'll ever keep up with any of those. <laughs> I seem to lack time. But at the very least, I have a charming personality, or so I've been told. And uh, I have a rather expensive lexicon. So Well, and hopefully we can get your, <laughs> get your pretty face on the camera. But uh, all of us here at the Ryder Brothers, thank you for tuning in to our very first episode. We look forward to seeing you next week at the same exact time. We will start at uh, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time and uh, run for exactly two hours. Uh, with all that said, my name is Petey York reminding you to not be a dick. Like and subscribe, Mark. Obligatory like and subscribe! <laughs> like, subscribe.